Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. And you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Oh God, we thank you for just an exciting three days. Three days where we could just celebrate with your children and to learn how to do good, to seek peace, and to go after it. But God, we ask that you help us to do all of those things in your name. And God, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, it is so good to, to, to have everyone here this morning to see the energy, to see everybody singing and dancing and just celebrating what God is doing in the midst of our, our community. It's been a great week for that with everything that was happening with WFAA downtown and at Old City Lake Park with Vacation Bible School and now the youth getting ready to take off. It's, we, we started this new series, if, if you're with us for the very first time. Uh, as a church, we have gone through this process called the Healthy Church Initiative. And what the Healthy Church Initiative does, it, it allows us an opportunity to really look to see what it is that we are called to do as a church. Now, the main guiding part of this Healthy Church initiative is to, to follow the mission that Jesus himself gave us. And if you go to Matthew 28, you can see this mission. And we have it up on the screen, and I'd like to invite you to join with me as we read this together. Our mission of our church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's our mission. That, that is what we are called to do as a church. But I'll have to admit something as, as pastor of First United Methodist Church of Royce City. Sometimes it's hard to follow this mission because you don't really know exactly how to do that. You have to figure out ways to make sure that you can point to how you are fulfilling this particular task that Jesus gave us. So this is an important task, this task to, to share and to make disciples, to, to transform our church, to transform our, our community, and to transform the world. So while we were praying and discerning over the past two years, we pulled together a team that came up with a vision statement. Now, let me be clear here that the vision statement isn't the main thing. And this is the main thing, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. But the vision gives us ways that we can do that. And so we had a vision team that pulled together this vision team by talking with a whole bunch of people in the church. So I would like for you to read this with me. Our vision is to be God's. You belong here, worshiping together, serving with heart, and growing in faith. See, that mixed together with our mission, shares what it is that we are about as a church. Be 
gods. That's another way of saying make disciples of Jesus Christ. When we say be gods, we're saying we are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus. Anything and everything we do, it has that lens with it. Last week, we started our series talking about how it is important to say, you belong here. You belong here. And we had 81 kids that we loved and we shared Christ's message with them. We let them know that they belonged here at our church. And I hope and pray that as you guests are here, that you feel that, that love and welcoming environment, know that you are also invited and you belong here to be a part of what God through Jesus Christ is doing in our church. And one of the ways that we live that out is that we worship together. I, I love worship. Worship is like one of my passions. And I think it has to do with growing up. And I have a picture here that my brother uh, found whenever he came to visit my mom. This is a picture of my family along with the Cross family at our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Hutchinson, Kansas. We were sitting up there near the very front. We always sat up there because we knew that that is where we belong, with, with other families. I, I shared this on social media, and I had... Uh, members that I haven't talked to in a long time just chime in about the memories that we had at that church, how, how Pastor Tom shared Christ's love with us, and how we did those fun activities, but we also did those deep, serious studies too, but a lot of it started right there in worship. But if we're honest, we have uh, started to cheapen what worship is all about. And what I mean by that is that we've taken worship and we have limited it to certain catchphrases or, or, or certain descriptive tasks. And we're kind of guilty of that here at our church too. At 8.30 service, we have a contemporary worship service, which means basically we have a praise team that, that leads the music and we sing more uh, modern worship songs. This we call our traditional worship service, and whenever it's not so hot or during the winter months, I'll be wearing a robe and a stole, and you've experienced uh, some of the traditional aspects of the service where we read an uh, Apostles' Creed and we sang the doxology. Those are the type of things that we consider with a traditional feel. But worship is so much more than that. But our world and our society have started to put even more labels on type of worship. You have your liturgical worship, you have your blended worship, you have your seeker-sensitive worship, you have your, your postmodern worship, you have your post-postmodern worship, you have your emergent worship, and it goes on and on again because we want to make worship fit into a box that we can try to understand or try to make us feel comfortable. Now, I agree, we should make worship feel comfortable for us so we can be open to what God is calling us and leading us to do. But worship is so much more than... Go ahead and go back to that slide. <laughs> okay, from the left, 
One, two, three, the third one, the one that kind of looks like he, yeah. I had a lot more hair back then than I do now. <laughs> oh. Our scripture for this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and it gives us a little more of a picture of what worship should be about. So I invite you to follow along in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, we'll have the words printed up on the screen. So hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. See, when we talk about worship, we understand that worship for most congregations, and, and including our congregation, this is the, the main entry point into the life of the church. You know, when you think about Sunday mornings, one of the things that you may think about is like, well, I guess we'll go to church. So that, that's, that's where we're supposed to be on Sunday morning, especially if you are like me and you grew up in the church. You know that this is where you should be on a Sunday morning. But I said, worship should be so much than that. Worship is a chance where we should be able to show passion, where, where we show love, where we show compassion, and where we show community all in one place so that more people can experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ in a very powerful way. The United Methodist Church, we have, have a group of bishops that look over different areas. And one of our bishops, who's now down in the Rio, Texas conference, but served for a while in the Missouri area, he wrote a book a few years ago called The Practices of a Fruitful Congregation. And in this book, Bishop Snazy talked about five different practices that all fruitful congregations, those congregations that are moving forward are a part of. And one of those practices was having a passionate worship service. In his book, he talked about worship being those times we gather deliberately seeking to encounter God in Christ. God uses worship to transform lives, heal wounded souls, renew hope, shape decisions, and provoke change, inspire compassion, and bind people to one another. And we're all familiar what passion means. Passion means that it drives us. It, it, it helps us to move forward. It's something that, that excites us. When you're passionate about something, it's something you want to be a part of. So passionate worship for Bishop Snazy says that we learn to love God who loves us in return. Followers of Christ develop patterns of listening to God, allowing God to shape our hearts and minds through prayer, personal devotion, and community worship. It is a way that we as a community together stand together and we return the love that God has so graciously given 
to us. In the book of Hebrews, in our passage today, it reminds us of ways that we can do that. The first thing, in the first verse, it shares that we as a people remember the one who has given us promises and who is faithful. When we gather as as God's people to worship, we remember that God has been faithful to us, even when we have not been faithful, even when we have let things slide or we have not followed the path that God has given us, God has always remained faithful to us. I tell you, that takes a load off of my mind. It's a way that I am reminded that even though I sin and I mess up, God's love will always be there for me. And God's love is a powerful thing that I can hold on to and I can grasp on to even when life doesn't quite make sense. The writer starts his passage off by saying that we need to hold on to this confession of hope. Now, confession can be two different ways here. When I had my confirmation class, when we talked about what it meant to have a confession the first thing that came to, my, came to their mind and may come to your mind is that when we confess, we ask for forgiveness. And that's a very important thing that we do in worship. At times, whenever uh, we start worship together and I'm either sitting down here for the early service or I'm up here in the chair and I'm praying, I ask God for forgiveness because I know I've messed up. I know I've done things over the past week that I'm not proud of or that I know that maybe has drawn me farther away from God because of my actions, and I say, God, please, show me where I have fallen short, and how can I bridge that gap, or how can I draw myself closer to your love? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 24, a little key about worship, or about bringing things to God. He says that if you have a gift and you're trying to leave that gift in front of the altar and you realize that you have wronged someone, first, leave your gift where it is, go to that person and be reconciled, and then come and offer your gift. See, when we take time to confess in worship, it gives us an opportunity to look to see who we may have wronged. And take that opportunity to ask them for forgiveness. That way when we, we bring our gifts to God, we bring them with everything that we have. Knowing that God has forgiven us and those who we have wronged have also forgiven us. Knowing that we have allowed the opportunity to allow that healing and wholeness to move through our relationships. But confession means a lot more than just asking for forgiveness of our sins. Confession also means knowing what you believe so you can share that with others. I I loved our young disciples' time here as we were talking about the five things that you need to have to be one of God's heroes. God's heroes have... God's heroes have... God's heroes have... God's heroes have... And God's heroes have power. See, those are things that our kids can go to their friends, can go to their families, can go to their neighbors, 
and say, you know, I, I believe in God. And, and I, am, I am one of God's children because God gives me heart, courage, wisdom, hope, and power. And I want to share those things that God has so freely given to me, to you. 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us, whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. My friends, I can't think of a better way to defend the hope that I have in Jesus Christ than to share all of the wonderful things that God has given me. Continuing on through this passage, it says that when we gather to worship, we provoke one another to love and good deeds. James 2.18 says, Some might claim, you have faith and I have action, but how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. See, it's all good to say that we have faith, but if we, we hold that faith to ourselves and we don't allow others to see it, we're missing the point. We miss the point when we, when we hold the faith as a special gift that we have only for ourselves, but God calls us to share that faith with others. God tells us that we must open our hearts and our minds for others to see those good works. Not so that we can boast about what we've been able to do, but we can say that we serve a mighty and powerful God who gives us the ability to serve and to give like Christ has given to us. Finally, we meet together to encourage. I, this, the writer says, you know, some we, we should gather together and we shouldn't be like those who just kind of stay away. I know some people have said that they don't want to come to church because they'll be brainwashed. It's not about brainwashing. There's no brainwashing going on at church. It's just being strengthened in community. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 reminds us to encourage one another and build one another up. Her name was uh, Cindy, and she uh, showed up to church one Sunday morning, and we could tell that she was uh, visibly upset, and she sat alone in her, in her chair, and she, her head was down, and, and she was just kind of shaking her head. And we walked up to Cindy, and we put our hand on her shoulder, and we asked what was going on. And she started to share about some issues that she's had with her family. And, and she said, I really don't know what to do. But what I do know is that I need to be here. We asked her, why, why, why do you feel like you need to be here? I said, because when I am with the community of faith, when I am with my church family, and they put their arm around me. When they tell me that they love me, when they ask, how can we pray for you? I know that I am supported in a way that I 
cannot be supported at home. I know that I am supported in a way that I cannot be supported at work. I know that God loves me because you love me. See, that is what worshiping together is all about. It's, it's receiving God's unconditional love for us, wrapping our arms around each other, giving that support and giving that love. That way you know that you matter to God and that you matter to us. My hope and my prayer is as we move away from Vacation Bible School and as we move away from this mission trip that we're going to be commissioning our youth and, and adults for, that those, those warm, fuzzy feelings will start to fade away, but the memories that you are accepted, that you are loved, are, are grows stronger and deeper inside of you so that you know that you belong here. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us wonderful strength and power. You have given us the opportunity to know that you are here. We see that when the kids sing. We see that as we share in the confessions of faith. We see that as we greet one another. We see how important worship is. How it moves us and spurs us on to greater things because you have called us to do greater things. So God, give us your heart for others. Give us the power to do your work. And help us to always know how to do good, to seek peace, and to go after it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.